And so it's just an honor and a privilege, honestly, to be here tonight and to have the honor of standing in one of my dear friend's pulpit and having the honor of sharing God's word with you tonight. And I know that what I have to share with you tonight is going to be life-changing. I believe it because I believe that it's something that I've lived in my life. I've tried it. I've tested it. It's true. I believe that the word of God is, is, is an agent of God in our lives so that we can experience real life. But it's up to you tonight to allow that to happen in your life. Uh, if you come here and, you, and you're just going to sit there and, you know, there's a lot of different types of soils, as we've seen uh, in the Gospels. There's that soil that, you know, it kind of bounces off and the enemy comes and steals it. That's the soil that really didn't receive what was being said. So I may say some things and share some things in the word tonight and it's kind of like, yeah, that's not for me. Yeah, and people do that. People do that, whether consciously or unconsciously, that happens. Then there's that soil that there's just no depth to it at all. And it's just very, you know, it's like, yeah, this is great, wonderful. And the minute that you walk out of here, you're like a man who set down the mirror as he looked in his face and he forgot what he looked like. And all of a sudden, you know, whatever comes by just blows you right over. Then there's that third soil, which most of us kind of fall into this. I find that most of us fall into this area, that the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches and other things come in and choke the precious word of God in our life and it doesn't bear fruit. But say this with me. Say, I am good soil. Amen. And we're the type of soil that bears 30, 60, and 100 fold. So tonight, I pray that you would be that type of soil. You choose to be that type of soil and receive what the word of God says tonight. And we're going to talk about real life stuff. We've been talking about real life uh, the, the entire year so far. It's just been an awesome series. We've talked about how to deal with depression and, and how to overcome things. And pastors hit so many different things. And those who've ministered on Wednesday nights, Pastor Mike, myself, Alicia, and some others have really hit some topics that is just real life stuff. How many of you just like the real life stuff? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you come in and you get a nugget. That's what I love about Pastor Tim's teaching. You come in here and you grab something and you can go home. And as soon as you walk out of here, you can use it. It's not like, well, well, wow, that was a really cool Bible story. But I have no idea what that has to do with me. You know, and I'm sure that some churches, you know, you've had that experience before. We walk out and you think, well, ah, what, what Pastor said was so great tonight, today. What, what, what did you get out of it? I don't know. It was great, though. You know, if you can't walk out of here and use it, it's useless. So let's use it. Amen. But I want to talk about something um, that I think is very, very powerful. And it's how to deal with being mistreated and or the perception of being mistreated. And so um, I want to just talk about real quickly. And I'm going Pastor Tim on your full board tonight. I got the board up here and everything. Okay. So, but I want to just, just. Yell out to me a couple relationships that you have in your life. Marriage, Marriage spouse, Pastor Mike. It's good to have you back. You, you, you rested? You good? You good? That's good. All right, good. Spouse. Okay, what other? Uh, neighbors. Hey, there's one. You do have to have a relationship with your neighbors. Okay. Who said government? That's not a relationship. That's a dictatorship. Uh, 
Okay, you people, I can't hear. All I hear is... So I'm going to name a few. Here we go. Spouse, neighbors, family. Boss. Absolutely. I have one of those too, you know. Spouse, neighbors, family, boss. How about friends? Right? That's relationships that you have. Some of you have more than others. Some of you have... Not many friends. Some of you have a ton of friends. Some of you have closer friends. Some of you have further away friends. You get the point. So spouse, neighbors, family, boss, friends. I think we, you know, that's, that's, that's a pretty good amount right there. Uh, I'm sorry? Associates. Okay, that could fall in the friends, boss, family, neighbor, spouse category thing. Enemies. Wow, that's a good one. That is a relationship, you know. You, 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 well, okay, for some of you. Yeah. Okay, enemies. I think that's enough. Okay, so now we got spouse, neighbors, family, boss, friends, and even enemies. You know, you have a relationship with those too, and you may have some of those, God forbid, living in your house. <laughs> and if it's your spouse and you're here with them tonight, do not raise your hand. Okay? <laughs> But we all have these relationships and they all have the potential to have mistreatment, to have to deal with mistreatment and or disappointment or the perception of being mistreated or disappointed. Okay, so there's some key components that I want to look at as we're looking at this. Okay, some key components that I want to look at as we're looking at this tonight. Number one. As you need to think about this when you're thinking about and you're dealing with being mistreated. How many of you have ever been mistreated? I just want to see if I'm... Okay, I'm in the right place. Good, good, good. Okay, first thing that we need to think about. What's our expectation? Okay? Everybody has a different expectation for the relationships that you have. Okay? I have an expectation, expectations from my wife, from my kids... From my boss, from my family cousin, mother and father-in-law, mom and dad. I mean, I have uh, relationships and expectations from friends. And sometimes uh, I think those expectations sneak up on us a little bit because we're not disappointed in what we find, but we're disappointed in what we expected to find. So really, when you're dealing with a relationship... You need to define your expectation. And let me go a little further with that. Most of the time we're disappointed at what we expected to find, not what we found. Let me give you a perfect example. I took my wife on a a surprise cruise, probably, I don't know, 10 years ago or something like that. I wanted to surprise her. I wanted to do something special. You know, we we just got out of debt. You know, we we couldn't even rub two nickels together. So if we finally actually had a little (gasps) breathing room. So what did I do? Like any good American, I went out and spent money. But I took my wife on a surprise cruise. I was all excited. I booked the cruise. And, you know, my wife was so excited. I I told her a little bit early because I've got a real bad problem with keeping secrets with my wife. And giving her Christmas presents actually on the day and not days before. But anyway, um, told her because I wanted her to pack and I wanted her to, you know, know what's going on. So, you know, we're coming, if you've ever been to Port Canaveral, we're coming up and over the mountains and all of a sudden you see the, the big ships and so exciting, you know? So, I mean, when I was a kid, 
we went on three vacations. We went, um, uh, as far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm sure my dad will. We went, we went to Wisconsin. We went to Hayward, Wisconsin, actually, to this uh, uh, cabin place on a lake. And it was actually, if you guys remember Chicago, Terry Calf, you remember the lead singer from Chicago years and years ago, Terry Calf in the 70s, he died. So His parents actually owned the place. So we went there, and we would go with my Uncle Carlo and his family, like any good Italian family does, goes with other family members. Um, then we went to Pawpaw, Michigan. I don't remember that. And then one time when I was way, way older, we went to, uh, uh, to California, but that was like for a, a, a conference, a church conference type of thing. So, so I wasn't, you know, I mean, geez, I, only rich people went on cruises. So I had this expectation. Oh my goodness, it was going to be amazing in the room. And, and people tell me, you know, the room's a little small and everything. Okay, well, that's fine. You know, I'm sure it is, whatever. I'm not going for the room, but I'm going for the. So we get there and I'm all, I mean, you know, I'm amped up. I'm excited. I'm expecting. And I open up the door to my room and I just go. Is this the closet to the room of, I mean, the love boat, those rooms were huge. So what did I expect to find? And Jennifer finally goes to me. She goes, are you disappointed in the room? And I'm like, no. <laughs> but I finally got over that. We had a blast and we went to do all this stuff. What really a, a memory for us. But I was so, I mean, it was just, I, I had my expectors up so high that there was no way I could do anything but to be disappointed. So when I walked in, I got over that and everything, and I was fine. But what happened was, is I expected to walk into a room that was, you know, maybe a little smaller than the Love Boat suites that I watched up. Remember that in Fantasy Island? Bust the plane, the plane. So, you know, I mean, I grew up watching that. So surely they have these suites with bathrooms, and I think mine was, when we had to get by each other, was like walking like this sideways. You know, so that happens. But I expected to see this, but I didn't. So I was very disappointed. Sometimes, let's, let's make it real right where you live. Sometimes your expectations, um, let's take an, an, a, for instance, your spouse. Maybe some of you, now I can only speak for guys because I are one. Um, one thing I figured out about women, and if guys, if you can get this revelation, it will absolutely save your marriage. You'll never understand them. And if you understand that Jesus told you to love your spouse as the man, not understand them. Because the minute you think you figured them out and got them understood, they'll do exactly the opposite. So trust me, if you just get the revelation that I'm never going to understand my wife, my job is to love her. I'm not saying you're never going to understand them because, because women are freak jobs. That's not what I'm saying. So some of you ladies who are getting all offended, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that men are from Mars and women are from Venus. So you, you're never going to... And likewise, they will never understand us. It's just the truth. I mean, they can pretty much track our pattern of life because it's like this. But you're never going to get it. But once you get that revelation, it's downhill from there. 21 years of marriage t- tells me that that's true. So with your spouse, you expect some things, right? Okay, so some of us guys... And let's not go into the obvious things that we expect. That's not what we're here to talk about tonight. So please don't yell out those things. 
Do I need to explain? Good, good. Okay, spouse. Some things that I expect. Maybe some things that I expect from my wife is support. I expect my wife to, you know, she always has been. So I expect her to be my biggest cheerleader. Nobody can cheerlead me on and tell me how wonderful I am like my wife can. Make me feel good about myself. What are some other things that I expect from my wife? Well, in our relationship, she has her own business and, I, and I'm, I'm working full time. But she still has her uh, part of the household duties, right? So maybe some of, let's call them the chores that she takes care of. And then, of course, I take care of the anything that grows and anything that's outside. Well, she trims the rose bush and everything. But, but bless her heart, she just... She hurt herself when she tried to cut the lawn for me once and broke her arm. So she doesn't get to cut the lawn anymore. So it was very sweet. She's trying to do do something for me and and we had this new riding lawnmower and she kind of didn't make the turn and hit the post and and broke her arms. Yeah, I know that hurt. So, but, and I appreciated her trying, but I take care of everything outside. I hate it. But I take care of everything outside. How some of you people just get relaxed when you do yard work, I have no idea. I can't stand it, but I take care of that part. Okay. So between my wife and I, I'm the one who's great with numbers. My wife, not so much. She was like Pastor Tim with math. So guess who takes care of most of the books? Me. So I take care of those things, but she has the job of she pays some of the bills. Okay. So these are some things that... I expect from her, um, can I, and do I have a right to expect her support? I think so. I think in a marriage relationship, I should be able to, can I, and do I have the right to expect her to be my cheerleader? Yes and no, but I think that kind of goes along with being a support. Do I have the right to expect her to share the household chores with me? I would say yes, because you know, we we're a team. We work together and we do that a lot. I mean, uh, there's a rarely a night that that you know that the boys and I drag them kicking and screaming. We clean up the kitchen. We take care of that. My wife cooks. We clean up the kitchen. We I get the boys to unload and 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 load the dishwasher and or take out the garbage. Those things. So we try to pitch in, pay bills. You know that's something I could probably you know you can go either way. But let's let's go further on that. Uh, there's some things that I may expect of my wife that maybe some of you expect of your spouse that you're not really, you don't have the right to expect that from them. And some of you expect your spouse to meet all of your needs when God's the one who meets your needs. And sometimes you're trying to pull those things out of your spouse and you're constantly disappointed because you're not pulling those needs out of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if you expect for them to meet all of your emotional needs, you are going to be sorely disappointed. I don't care how awesome your spouse is. If you expect them to meet all of your emotional needs and and expect them to, to take care of those things, you will be sorely disappointed because you don't have the right to expect that out of them. So what happens a lot of time, let's take a boss. Okay, let's take our boss as far as expecting. Some of us expect praise for a job well done. Fair enough? Praise for a job well done. 
expect a pay raise, okay? For again, for a job well, well done. Maybe some of you expect your boss to be your bestest buddy and your friend because you have a close relationship. Okay. Best buddy. Okay. Now, you, some of you expect praise from your boss. And then some of you expect your boss to praise you every single time you do something well. Do you have the right to expect that? Jesus said, why should you be thanked and why should you be praised for something that's expected of you? Right? So, but there's some people who are just, they're never going to be happy with their boss because why? They're expecting things that their boss does not have to deliver. Now, my boss, on a, on a regular basis, I would say, I mean, not every time and every week because I don't expect him to do this. There was a time when I was very insecure and I was very, um, you know, needing that thing. Is he okay? Is he okay? I hope he's okay with me. There was a time when Pastor Tim would correct me and I'd be crushed for three days. Well, guess what? I grew up and got over that. Now he corrects me and I smile and say, yes, sir. And we move right along. It's no big deal. Well, it took me a while because, you know, the thought of him being disappointed in me was very crushing to me. But the bottom line is, is he's my boss. So he has to correct me. He has to correct things in order to keep things the way he feels that God wants to run the church. If he didn't correct me, that would mean that he's not being responsible He's not honoring God and he sure isn't honoring me because he's allowing me to go off and to do things that don't line up with the vision. So sometimes we expect, you know, a raise out of our boss. Well, and that's fine. I think we should, you know, expect that for a job well done and, and, and done upon performance. Absolutely. But then some of you get a raise and you're not thankful six months later because you're not making enough money. Well, how about being thankful for when you did get a raise? And keeping your mind focused on that a little bit and realizing that, you know, all increase comes from God and it doesn't matter if your boss is a cheapskate, for some reason, God will speak to their heart to get money to you or get you a better job. Uh, Bestest buddy, you know, some of you, hey, you know, everything, Pastor Tim and I are very, very close, but man, when we get into an army of God situation... We're just not bestest of buddies anymore. It's yes, sir. How high do you want me to jump, sir? How far do you want me to take it, sir? You don't want to do that song. We will never do that song again, sir. Um, you know, um, and, and, and if you have a couple ones that you don't ever want me to do again, please don't give me your list after service. Uh, I only take those requests definitely from Pastor Tim uh, and not from other folks. Uh, song suggestions, yes. Positive things, yes. So... Um, I think a lot of times we get into a situation where we're expecting, we're expecting uh, for your boss to be your best buddy. Well, he doesn't have to be your best buddy. If he chooses to, that's, that's a plus. Hey, that's great. But not all the time. So a lot of times we get disappointed or feel like we're being mistreated because we had a different expectation than what was really going to be delivered. Number two, your filter. Your filter. Everybody. Everybody in this room has a filter. Okay? Everybody has a filter. Your filter is the ability to process information. And every one of you has a filter and it's made from your upbringing, your insecurities, the way you view life. Every one of us has them. I'm sorry to tell you this, but every single one of you, when you have a situation going on, this is what it is. There's three sides to a story. There's your side. There's my side. Then there's the truth. 
Pastor John, I've never lied about something. I didn't say you lie. I say that your filter or your perspective may be off. And if we will take that into consideration that our filter, as we feel we're being mistreated, or we feel that we're being dealt with unfairly, or we've run up into disappointment, if we will consider that maybe my filter is not allowing me to see this the way this really is, if you will do that, I guarantee you that half of the things that you've been feeling like you've been mistreated with, and half the things that you've been disappointed with, I think you'll see things a little differently. Being a little open-minded. Now, this is the way I always approach Pastor Tim when I've got something that I'm troubled about. Pastor, blah, 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 blah. Can you help me with this? That's the way I approach my boss. I don't tell him and read him the right act and get mad. I have never, ever, in almost 20 years, it's been 20 years in February, I have never, ever, ever spoke to Pastor Tim in a disrespectful way. Now, I'm not going to lie to you, over the years, maybe twice, we had maybe a heated point of view of the way we saw things, but never did I allow myself to get over into disrespect or dishonor because never, ever, ever should you be allowed to disrespect and dishonor those who are in authority over you. I don't care how mistreated and how unfairly that you've been uh, treated, God will, will He keeps the books and he will take care of the situation. If we really trust God, we can walk in love and we can be honorable as we're dealing with people, with your spouse. Now, ladies, the Bible says that you are to to come into submission that your husband is the head of the home. Now, sometimes, unfortunately, the husband's an idiot. I've been one. I can say it from personal experience. I've been an idiot. And because my wife recognized me as the head of the home, now she'll let me know how she feels that I'm an idiot sometimes. But the point is, is that when a bottom line, when it comes down to it, I am the head of the home. I am uh, responsible before God for the direction of our home. If I, and very rarely, I mean, I, just a handful of times I can remember that Jennifer and I didn't agree. And I said, we're doing this. I'm pretty sure that most of the time I was right. I think. I want to I I think that anyway. It makes me feel better. But, you know, and then, uh, no, no, it wasn't because I remember Ishi. You know, I, she, I, she, she told me not to buy a car once and I just, just dogged, determined to do it and We called the car Ishmael because it wasn't God's best. (laughs) You know, and I tried to sell that thing so many times. And the Lord just kind of said to me, you wanted it. You're going to pay for every dime of it. (laughs) That was one time that I should have listened to my wife. Absolutely. But we all have filters. The Bible says that. um, Well, let me go. Let me go back to this. Uh, Filters need regular cleaning. Any of you have filters in your AC system at home? Yeah, everybody does, right? Sometimes I'm wondering, why won't this house cool down? Sometimes it's because it's like 98 degrees with 99% humidity, and it's just struggling, you know, to keep it. And then sometimes it's like, duh, I go over to the big filter, and there it is, like, it's got like, like mice and stuff in it. It's so full and... (laughs) Now I'm pulling the thing out. I could just hear my dad as I'm pulling out. Why don't you change those things every once in a while? 
So my dad is like the ultimate homeowner. He's the ultimate homeowner. And so he helps me out sometimes, comes over. We bond. He trims my trees. We bond. We need to do that soon, by the way, dad. <laughs> trees aren't looking too good. Neither are the bushes. But let's wait until it gets cooler. It's too hot out right now. But we all have filters. They all need to be cleaned. They all need to be changed. They all need to be replaced. Just like in a car, you have a fuel filter. Well, maybe you don't anymore. Do you have fuel filters? Yeah, you do. Fuel fuel filters, air filters. You don't have points in a car anymore, though. No, that's not okay. Pastor Mike knows all this stuff about cars, so I asked him. But here's the deal. Ephesians 5.26 says this. That he might sanctify and cleanse her, that's us, with the washing of water by the word, daily intake of and exposure to God's word. Pastor Tim tells us about it all the time. In order for you to keep your filters clean, in order for you to keep your filters so, they, so you can process information and do things right, you need daily intake of and exposure to God's word. Romans 12.2 in the Amplified says this. Don't be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed and changed by the entire removal, no, the renewal of your mind by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourself what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. So the Bible's telling us that if we will take regular intake of and exposure to the word of God, what will happen is, is our filters will stay correct and they'll stay clean. Now, I always try to, when I'm going through a situation that's difficult, I always try to look at myself. Because guess what? I'm the only person that I can change. If I'm having a problem with somebody else, I can't change them as, as much as I'd like to. I can't. But the bottom line is, is I can change John. So I will look at myself. And a lot of times my wife is such a great ally for me in this way. My wife and I don't jump on each other's offense train. We just don't do that. If I'm offended about something, she will try to give me an outside perspective of maybe what was going on in the situation so we can kind of clearly look at it. We just don't jump in offense with each other because that is just so unhealthy as a married couple. If your spouse gets offended, do not jump on their, on their offense train because when you do that, now both of you are driving straight into the ditch and you can't walk in love. Somebody's got to have a, a cooler head and a, and a prevailing head to, to help think through that. So it should be the one that's not offended. So you help give them perspective to see their way out. Now, the third thing is, as you want to look at as you're, being, uh, as you're dealing with being mistreated is there's real abuse. That's a real thing. And bottom line is, is that every one of us has been mistreated. Forget our filter. Forget what we expected. We've just flat out been mistreated by people. I I think everybody could raise their hand in here and say yes and amen to that. Well, what do we do with with real abuse? Well, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.3, New King James Version, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2, 19 and 20 says this, For God is pleased with you when you do what you know is right and patiently endure unfair treatment. Pastor John, you don't understand. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how mean they were to me. You don't know what they said and how they did. I, I hear you. Been there, done that. But it does you no good to meditate on that. Because by meditating on that, all that does is pull you into strife and into the flesh and out of your walk in love. 
The Bible says, do what you know is right and patiently endure unfair treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're being beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. God is pleased with you. So how do we deal with unfair treatment? We walk in love. We bless people when they don't deserve to be blessed. I I can't tell you there's been several times where I've bought somebody a gift. Now, if you've ever gotten a gift from me, don't wonder if this is you. Okay, so... But there's been several times where I've gotten into a big beef with somebody or something and, and I didn't have to do, give them something or do something or, but you know what? Because I love what Pastor Tim says about this. He said, if you've got it to give, who's the really the richer person? If you're able to be the bigger person, who's really richer? The person who's stubborn and gets their way or the person who says, you know what? I'll give on this one. And I think that's how marriages work successfully that somebody's not just one person but somebody's willing to give on the thing and just keep strife out of the way here's some facts here's some bible facts proverbs 18:19 a brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city and quarreling is like the bars of a castle do you hear that a brother offended is unyielding unyielding to what unyielding to god unyielding to his word unyielding to the people around him Unyielding. So we want to avoid offense and being offended like the plague. Like Pastor Tim has taught us many different times. You got to have your forgiveness gun out. And if you got to shoot somebody 46,000 times with your forgiveness gun in that same conversation, you do it because you choose to stay out of offense. Because the bottom line is they're not worth it. They're not worth your blessings. They're not worth your peace. They're not worth uh, uh, the, the love and the protection and the grace that surrounds you. They're, people are just not worth it, no matter what the situation is. Another Bible fact, 2 Timothy 2, 23 and 24. Again, I say, don't get involved in a foolish, ignorant argument that only starts fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Say, I'm a servant of the Lord. Well, that's you then. You have to be patient with difficult people. And guess what? I don't know where you find more difficult people in any profession more than the ministry. It's just the truth. Because you have people from all walks of life, from every different age group, from every different background. And man, if I had a nickel for every time that I've been abused or or, or been mistreated, I'd be a rich guy. But the bottom line is, is you, weren't, you learn to walk in love and you learn to be kind and hopefully win people over and mentor them and walking in the kindness and the love of Jesus just as you're endeavoring to every day. Another bi- biblical fact. 1 John 4, 20 and 21. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. I didn't say it. The Bible did. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. John four sixteen in the New Living Translation, another Bible fact. We know how much God loves us and, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. 
Bottom line, guys, this is the bottom line. The enemy is always after our love walk so that he can discredit our witness, cause our faith to be ineffective, and take us out of God's covering and blessing. And the bottom line is, it's just not worth it. I can't tell you there's nothing more important to me in this life than keeping my heart right before God. Now, I work with a bunch of amazing amazing great people who have great hearts and have uh, just a love and a hunger for God that is every bit as equal to mine and surpassing mine. But guess what? We're people. Sometimes we hurt each other's feelings. And I'm talking about Christians in the church, born again, spirit filled, you know, uh, mature believers. We hurt each other's feelings and do things that hurt each other's feelings sometimes. But here's the bottom line. We all try to extend grace and love towards one another and keep our heart right. Because the biggest, most important thing when you're dealing with mistreatment, you keep your heart right. Because if you keep your heart right, God will move in your situation and he will right the ship. God will move in your situation and he will deal with the person who is mistreating you, who who has defamed your character, who has... Uh, caused you to go through difficult seasons. Will God allow you to be in a season where you're being mistreated? Yep. Been there, done that. Now, is that fun? No. Is it character building? Yes. It is. But I want to encourage you that as we walk in God's love, as we walk in his forgiveness, as we walk in his kindness towards other people and people who mistreat us, as we do that and we take off the filters and we and we actually ask people who we trust in our lives, hey, I got this situation. This is what happened. I need your perspective. I mean, you want to talk with people who aren't going to sit there and just jump on and want to gossip because those people aren't going to help you. Talk with people who you trust. I have a trusted friend uh, named Paul Foslin in Naples. He is one of my confidants. He's a pastor who pastors in Naples. If I need to talk to somebody or if I need a situation I'm going through that's rough, Paul's my big brother. I call Paul and we talk. And he'll, he'll always tell me the truth. And sometimes he'll just say to me, you know what? You've just been mistreated and you're just going to have to suck it up and walk in love. Hate to tell you, there's no other good news for you today. But that's what you're going to have to do. Because God will always keep the books and God will always take care of you. So um, either you're saying amen, oh me, or you're just quiet tonight. I'm not sure which one. I'm trusting it's the, the amen part. The Bible says that faith works through love. Galatians 5, 6. I love this in the Amplified. But only faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love faith is energized it's activated and it's expressed through love so guess what you want to keep your faith on the job you have to walk in love the biggest thing that the devil's going to try to do is get you to walk out of love with people to backbite to talk to be nasty and just to be well I, you don't understand i've been so mistreated they deserve you know what you can go on all day but the bottom line is is if we don't do what's right god can't bless us God can't fix the situation. God can't cause that. I mean, I'll tell you, I've I've had situations where I chose to forgive people who horribly mistreated me. And it took sometimes up to uh, three years later before they came back to me and said, I want to ask you to forgive me. Sometimes never. But I want to ask you to forgive me. 
And if that's what you're looking for, waiting for, well, until they say they're sorry, I'm just going to hold this. Man, you may be waiting until Jesus comes. When you forgive somebody, it means they owe you nothing. So I want to encourage you to do that. I'm so sorry. I've totally run out of time because I, 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 I stuck with uh, uh, my first point about expectations a little longer than I planned. Did you get anything out of that tonight?